Good morning. How's everybody? Cold? <laughs> it is cold. It seems too early in the year to be this cold, but it is beautiful out. So today is the last day of the liturgical year. That is the church year. Next week, we begin a new year with the first Sunday of Advent. The last Sunday of the liturgical year is always Christ the King Sunday. I preached last year on Christ the King Sunday, by coincidence, I think. I was teasing Brian, who puts together our rota, that I think he gives it to me on purpose. He promises he doesn't, because I don't really like the concept of Christ as King. It, I don't like the masculine imagery and language. It comes out of a very patriarchal, often brutal system of oppression, slavery, serfdom. The language of kingship at, its, at best is outmoded and a little offensive. We don't live under kings in this country, do we? So the metaphor feels irrelevant. More importantly, the reigns of kings often meant a reign of terror for their subjects, massive wealth and power attained by cruelty and exploitation, which was then passed on by birthright to people who did nothing to deserve it. Frankly, I have the same beef with Lord, but it's used so commonly that that's too big a battle to fight. I'll work on that, though. This language is antithetical to everything that Jesus was and is and will be. I imagine Jesus bristles a bit when he hears it, too. In last year's gospel reading on this day, Pilate asks Jesus if he is king of the Jews, and he responds, my kingdom is not from this world. But Pilate continues to push the point, so you are king. Jesus answers, you say that I am king. He doesn't really want that mantle placed upon him, but it sticks anyway. While the concept of Christ as king is not new, his earliest followers and detractors used the language of kingship to describe who he was, what he said, what he did. But Christ the King Sunday is relatively new. In 1925, Pope Pius XI instituted Christ the King Sunday in response to an increasing denial of Christ and the rise of secularism throughout Europe. Many Christians doubted not only Christ's authority, but also his very existence. They were also pushing back against the church's power to act under Christ's authority. So this was the response. Pope Pius wanted to elevate Jesus to remind the people that Jesus was the ruler of the world. I think he missed the point. Jesus wasn't powerful and unique because he was a grand king. He was powerful and unique because he was a simple, itinerant preacher, a seemingly powerless man who courageously called the power structure into question. He was radical because he preached a message of love and grace, not a message of power and fear. Pius pushed the idea of Jesus as king to ensure the power of the church not to combat the injustice and cruelty of the world. Yet here we are, once again, celebrating Christ the King Sunday. If I were king, I would remove it from the calendar. The church has done a disservice throughout the generations by proclaiming Jesus as King of Kings. 
early religious works portrayed Jesus dressed in simple robes that you would expect him to be wearing at that time. But as the church gained power and prestige and status, the image of Christ began to change. To take on a grander look, he was portrayed wearing regal robes and golden crowns. And secular rulers used the image of King Jesus to justify their own dynastic rule, ones that were often despotic and cruel. And they're still doing this today. The church became complicit in supporting these secular rulers, and the church rulers were often just as powerful and cruel as their secular counterparts. The Jesus we come to know in, telling of, in the telling of his story turns that concept of king on its head. In this passage we read today, we see the true character of Jesus. This scene is debasing and humiliating. This scene is, as I said that, the people use the language king of the Jews to mock Jesus. If you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Jesus does not respond to any of the mocking or baiting. He embodies the lessons he has taught us on the road to Jerusalem. Love your neighbor. Turn the other cheek. Be humble. Have faith. Love. He speaks only twice during this scene. The first time he poignantly asks God's forgiveness for the very people responsible for his death. He hangs silently from the cross as those around him taunt him until one of the criminals hanging behind him says, beside him says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies, today you will be with me in paradise. Putting his own pain and suffering and fear to, grant, to, to, to the side, to grant salvation to the confessed criminal by his side, bringing the condemned man into paradise with him. Jesus is one class act, I would say. You will be with me in paradise. Paradise, an idealized place where all things are just and fair and whole. Jesus knew what it would take to bring the world to paradise or paradise to the world. It would cost him his life, his followers, the church, all of us. We are left to continue his work to live into his ideal of paradise, the realm of God on earth, a realm that is ruled by transformational love, not transactional power. We are reminded on this, the last day of the church year, who Jesus really was and what he sacrificed out of love for us. We are reminded of his commitment, his loving heart, his ability to let the attacks and taunts roll off his back. If only the world could have more kings or leaders like Jesus. Jesus isn't a monarch or a ruler or a despot. He is a charismatic leader, a shepherd in the mold prophesied in the passage we read today in Jeremiah, in which the shepherd has not cared for his flock, and they've been scattered and destroyed. And then the Lord says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them 
and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing. The passage then goes on to prophesy the, the, the reign of David, and it would to be a righteous reign, and we can debate at another time whether or not David lived into that expectation, but the idea of a, of a righteous reign. Jesus is the incarnation of the prophecy, the good shepherd. Jesus does not destroy, scatter, and divide. Rather, Jesus heals, repairs, gathers, and unites everyone and everything with him. Jesus did not come into the world to be just one more king or ruler or president, but rather to usher in an entirely new order, a world order and reign and realm characterized by new life, hope, grace, and above all, love. The kind of love that never tires, never runs out, that is life-giving and life-affirming. This is our work. Accept the call Jesus has given to you to be by his side as a part of God's love-spreading activity in the world. To create a world that is ruled by love, not power, by abundance, not scarcity, by acceptance, not judgment. A place where love is so powerful that mercy, grace, and forgiveness are offered to all to you and your family and friends and neighbors, to the lady on the corner who always glares at you when you drive by, to the man in the big diesel truck who cuts you off in traffic, to the ex-spouse who broke your heart countless times, or the best friend who let you down again, or the parent who couldn't show up in the ways that you needed them to. God's love is big enough for all of us. We are all God's beloved children. Jesus asked us, called us to do this work, to speak up, to openly and loudly and joyfully spread love in the face of hate. So go into the world in peace to love and serve the Good Shepherd. <laughs>